Welcome in to another new podcast from the Codings Pro interview series. As always, I'm your host, Ben DuBose, news editor with the AMP Publications team. Today, I'm joined by John Kunin, sustainability program manager at Axo Nobel, a global sustainability leader in the paints and coatings industry. Job, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you? Very well. Thanks very much, uh, Ben, for uh, for inviting me. Uh, doing well. I'm actually here today at the U.S. Green Builder Conference in Washington, D.C., participating uh, in uh, yeah, one of the sessions uh, as such as a speaker. And great to see all the dynamics, right, and uh, activity which is happening here. Give us a little bit of background. I know you're on the sidelines as we're recording this in the final week of September. So Green Build International Conference and Expo, what does that bring together as far as the industry and what is Axo Nobel's place in that? First of all, uh, here at this event, uh, the, the U.S. Green Building Council is celebrating their 30th anniversary. I think, um, yeah, we can be really proud of uh, the U.S. GBC having developed right the lead, right, as uh, one of the leading green building certifications. Um, and of course, uh, during a show like this, uh, during a conference like this, a lot of experts from the industry come together and, and discuss, of course, uh, uh, how do you make the green building environment uh, yeah, more representative, right? How do you develop more of these green buildings, of course, uh, not only in the U.S., but also in other countries and regions in the world? Uh, there's a lot of knowledge sharing, so a lot of educational sessions uh, happening here for all kinds of uh, different stakeholders in the build environment, trying to learn more about the green buildings uh, and, of course, making sure that more green buildings can be developed. Uh, the role of Axonobel in this market is, um, yeah, is, is very clear. Uh, we, we make paints and coatings uh, for the build environment, uh, particularly in North America. We have uh, some substantial uh, operations and we, we work, of course, with uh, our, particularly our customers, uh, specifiers, but also applicators who, uh, who use our coatings right, to, um, yeah, to either protect or beautify uh, buildings uh, as such. And we have a, a wide variety of solutions for the green build environment. So uh, actually, as a as part of our programs on uh, sustainability, yeah, we try to develop our uh, more sustainable solutions, make our products, our solutions more sustainable, uh, not only just from a product portfolio point of view, but also on what they do for uh, actually our customers. And in the end, of course, uh, for the buildings on which they are being applied. So a few few key targets there mm -hmm. are, of course, the carbon footprint reduction, uh, but also circular use of uh, raw materials. Let's talk a little bit about your personal background. You're currently the sustainability program manager, among other tasks. Just walk us through, I guess, your career trajectory. What got you to where you are today with the company? Did you always know that this was going to be sort of your target area of emphasis, your niche? Uh, just walk us through how sustainability became such an important driver, not just for the company, but for you personally. Yeah, actually, uh, when I started my career, I started my career uh, in uh, more logistics management, trying to optimize uh, networks, flows, the, the, the footprint yeah, of, uh, of companies. I did that uh, actually starting for Fox Nobel. And then I, uh, I, 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 did, uh, I passed my career in different functions, almost all kinds of key functions in, in our company, in Axonobel. Uh, I worked in supply chain, uh, logistics, production, marketing, uh, sales. Uh, and there's always been kind of a, uh, um, yeah, one team in there, which is, of course, sustainability. Um, you will see today, uh, the, the, the past few years of sustainability in society has gotten a lot more attention. Uh, but working for Axobel, we have been working on sustainability already for, for, for many years. And um, yeah, what I really like uh, in, in my role today uh, is, is more the uh, business development aspect. So, so how do we actually create value from sustainability? Uh, because yeah, sustainability used to be a target where you say well, maybe we can uh, reduce the impact on the environment. A long time that has been, of course, on, on top of our minds mindset. But of course, in society, 
there's much more demand uh, for for uh, sustainable solutions but particularly in the build environment where you have yeah, a very uh, fragmented uh, group of stakeholders and, and decision makers it's really tough a challenge right to to get the whole market moving and that is i mm. think uh, a really exciting challenge uh, for myself and also for us as a company uh, to make that happen i'm sure one of the themes you hear at green build and honestly throughout the industry is this whole notion of a circular economy could you explain a little bit about what that is and how a paints and coatings company such as axo nobel can potentially achieve that just talk about the role of a circular economy as it pertains to broader sustainability initiatives yeah yeah circularity uh, in the build environment uh, particularly uh, right where a lot of uh, resources are being used uh, to actually uh, uh, yeah construct uh, these buildings or even renovate buildings mm -hmm. We know there uh, uh, we need uh, currently uh, a lot of resources for that. Uh, the build environment uh, in certain countries and regions in the world is maybe responsible for up to 50% of raw material resources. As such, if you think about carbon footprint, we're talking around about 40% uh, of, of, of the overall carbon footprint that we humans uh, have actually comes from the build environment. Now, circularity uh, is getting more attention um, uh, because people realize uh, we can't go on like this and we have to keep, we have to actually start reusing more of the materials we actually already have available. So you will see in, in, in different countries, regions in the world that uh, when go, uh, buildings are being demolished, we want to try and, and reuse uh, some of those materials. Uh, being based in, in, in the Netherlands, uh, I see that happening. Uh, where uh, the build environment, the building sector itself is trying to uh, uh, reuse more and more uh, materials uh, to reduce actually the, the need and demand on uh, virgin uh, raw materials. When I look at uh, across uh, all the different market segments to, to which Axtobel provides uh, paints and coatings, uh, we see that a key driver for circularity is actually the common footprint reduction. Uh, and also in paints and coatings, um, around about 11, 12% of the carbon footprint in, uh, in our paints and coatings uh, globally uh, on average uh, comes from uh, end of life. Yeah, so the, the carbon uh, which sits in, um, in those paints and coatings that are, uh, that are ending up uh, at their end of life. And that is where uh, yeah, you can, of course, uh, um, uh, use more renewable or recycled raw materials. So we as Axtobel, we have uh, different programs in place to actually increase uh, the amount of uh, recycled or renewable uh, raw materials in our paints and coatings. But actually, the real uh, historical reason why people actually use uh, coatings, right, is actually to protect uh, a substrate. And that is also mm -hmm. uh, something we should not forget. Uh, protecting uh, building materials, if we talk about the build environment, is very important uh, because you will actually need uh, to uh, you need to use uh, less fewer uh, new building materials in the future if you want to maintain uh, that build environment mm -hmm. and that's something uh, uh, yeah often we we might not think about uh, we also have a role to play in that uh, we have to kind of uh, educate and help our customers decide and choose those more sustainable and longer lasting solutions to actually make sure that whatever has been coded uh, remains alive and, mm -hmm. and in good shape over time let me ask a quick follow-up to that. You mentioned that people realize we can't go on like this. How much of that is industry-driven and how much of that is policy-driven at a government level? Because I'm sure, you know, underneath it all, it has to be a little bit of both. But when we're talking about policy, that can vary significantly from one geography to the next, from one country to the next, as opposed to if it's at an industry level, then you might have more of a general sort of 
standardization because obviously a company such as Axel Nobel operates in a lot of different markets around the globe. And so if you take the lead at an industry level, you're more likely to have, you know, not that it's going to be identical from one country, one region to the next, but more, I guess, more consistency to it. So when we talk about people realizing that changes need to be made moving forward, how much of it is at the policy level and how much of it is you guys and the people you're talking about at Greenbuild realizing as an industry that this is what we need to do? Good question, Ben. Um, I think you you have uh, uh, both both things. Both topics are actually very valid and and um, and important. Um, we see uh, particularly drive on uh, uh, let's say more demand for the use of renewable raw materials coming actually from consumers. <clears throat> you and okay. me, we buy uh, all kinds of consumer goods, whether that's say uh, a beauty product uh, or maybe a household product. We as consumers want, uh, we realize uh, that uh, we can't go on like this. So we we, we do yes. put a value on that, um, and that manufacturers of those products actually start using more renewable raw materials. They uh, recycle more. You see that happening a lot in packaging materials, yep. more and more so in actually the, the, the products itself. Governments are also uh, trying to develop uh, policies in that area. Yes. If we look at the built environment, a lot, of course, uh, historically has been focused on reducing carbon footprint uh, and, and trying to reduce the energy usage in uh, in buildings yeah, so the what mm -hmm. we call the operational carbon but more and more you will see now uh, attention being given also on the embodied carbon in, in buildings and that's where of course also circularity will will play a role sure. um if you ask me what, what is the role of, of of governments in here i think governments are uh, creating policies right to uh to to stimulate or even oblige uh, uh the private sector to use more uh, renewable raw materials uh, what would be great is, of course, that also for any public buildings, any public activities, and particularly, of course, public buildings, as we are uh, talking about the built environment, that is where the government can really play a role. Uh, mm -hmm. If they can, in their uh, specifications and requirements, also include, for instance, a minimum level of uh, renewable content uh, in the, the, the building materials for those buildings, it can be the educational sector, right, uh, other kinds of government buildings, that will really give a, a great push because if that starts, uh, then, of course, a large part of the sector will will move um, yep. because uh, companies, construction companies, but also other stakeholders in, in the value chain will see that demand growing from the public sector. Yep. And I think maybe the government um, uh, underestimates uh, the power and the opportunity that they have to play there as a role. So let's talk about the technologies that can play a role in this transition. What sustainability solutions are out there to help address the challenge of producing more green buildings? I'm sure that's what you're talking about this week in Washington, D.C. at GreenBuild. Just talk, if you could, about the technology side of things and some of the sustainable solutions that are out there as we head towards 2024. Yeah, green buildings, uh, as we call them, uh, um, they, have, they focus on a, a few uh, different uh, key uh, areas. You can maybe uh, uh, group them under three uh, headers, uh, climate change, so carbon footprint reduction, then uh, circular, circularity, circular economy, uh, how do you uh, use less uh, uh, fossil uh, raw materials, and thirdly, of course, health and well-being. Yeah, so how, how do you contribute uh, to the to well-being of people living and working in, in buildings? Um, and in all of those three uh, groups, um, uh, we have technologies, right, that can help uh, yeah, uh, people living, working in these kind of buildings in achieving some of those uh, targets that have been set for the built environment. I can I can elaborate a little bit, of course, on that, um, particularly for uh, carbon footprint reduction. Uh, we as Oxenbel, we have set a, uh, now a few years ago, as a first paints and conus company, we've set a, a target and got it approved by SBTI of reducing our carbon footprint 
by 50% by the year 2030, not only for our scope one and two, so our own operation, but actually in our whole value chain. So upstream and downstream. And if you talk about new technologies, that's where we are reaching out eh, to our suppliers, asking them to uh, develop actually raw materials that have a lower carbon footprint. So where our suppliers are reducing their uh, scope one and two uh, emissions, but also of course downstream. So where we need to work with our customers, because in those technologies, in those solutions, we have uh, products that might need uh, less energy for curing, for instance. Mm-hmm. In particular, uh, market segments, uh, some of our customer groups are using uh, uh, relatively a lot of energy to cure coatings. So there we can play a, a role and help our customers move towards lower baking or even ambient curing mm-hmm. uh, type of te- technologies. That is on the on the climate uh, change uh, side, of course. On the uh, circular uh, uh, topic, that circular uh, raw material usage, uh, there you can think of uh, becoming much more efficient. So here um, we can help customers uh, with new technologies, maybe not just with products, but also with servers and tools, right? Mm -hmm. To reduce material use. Um, We can uh, input, include also more uh, raw materials. But think also, of course, about uh, reducing waste. And one of the particular uh, technologies I would like to also uh, address here is powder coatings. Mm -hmm. Uh, Historically, a lot of uh, building materials have been uh, coated with uh, liquid coatings. Now, we also uh, um, uh, develop and sell uh, liquid coatings. We have also sustainability programs in place to also make those kind of coatings more sustainable. But we particularly also um, are in favor of developing more the application of powder coatings, which do not have uh, VOCs, so there are no solvents being used in powder coatings. And secondly, uh, the efficiency, particularly the material efficiency, is very high of powder coatings, a lot higher than uh, than for liquid coatings. So we also try to help our, some of our customer groups moving from liquid to, to powder coatings. And maybe the third group, uh, which I mentioned, health and well-being, uh, that is, of course, where we uh, focus in on uh, making sure that uh, we, we develop our products right with the, the, the chemical substances that, um, that are uh, accepted uh, by society. Um, and secondly, how can we, of course, bring sustainability benefits or health and well-being benefits to customers who actually yeah, live and work in, uh, in buildings? And here you can think of uh, indoor air quality, uh, you can imagine if you work uh, all day in a building, you want to make sure that the indoor air quality is is good. So then there we have uh, different technologies, technologies of uh, coatings that uh, might emit maybe less solvents or, or other uh, chemical substances. I'm sure you've got plenty of examples and case studies when it comes to powder coatings, liquid coatings. In terms of the transition and trying to get people to buy in more on the low VOC side, you talked about that being a driver for powder coatings. What are some of the common questions that you get? Are people on board with that transition? Are there things they want to learn? Just walk us through, if you could, what that transition looks like and how many, you know, clients are open to, you know, making those changes with the goal of sustainability in mind. Yeah, that is definitely a challenge. Uh, think about uh, yeah, who are the kind of companies who are applying these uh, these liquid coatings. They have, of course, uh, uh, equipment, manufacturer equipment in place where they have uh, mm-hmm. particular uh, processes in place. So right. we need to really be a partner of those companies to help them uh, transfer uh, from uh, that kind of technology uh, to a powder coating. And when we say partner, meaning uh, being able to help them with data. Uh, so how yes. can you actually do that? Uh, what are the implications of doing that? Also the technical know-how. Yeah? So how can you uh, make sure that uh, yeah, someone who applies coatings is reassured that the quality of the end product will will be also very good when using a powder coating. Um, so that is a, a role that we have to play. Um, it will take time, 
uh, for sure. Um, uh, customers uh, of Axobel will need to invest uh, money. Uh, so there's a capex involved. Um, of course, today with high interest rates, we're not going. Uh, we're not going in the right way. That is not, uh, of course, in favor of this kind of uh, movement. Uh, but this is where we we need to keep on. Uh, not only talking to our customers who apply our products, but also talk to specifiers sure. yeah, and help them also uh, maybe choose for for certain uh, technologies. And particularly for the powder coating um, uh, applicators and that 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 kind of market, uh, we are also developing yeah, tools that hopefully will uh, uh, um, make sure that our powder coating customers also promote more mm. the use of powder coating. So we we've launched, for instance, recently a um, a tool. Uh, by which powder coating customers can um, measure their energy uh, that they're using and uh, actually uh, create clarity on that and thereby um, decide or give them kind of the tool set to, to reduce the energy uses and therefore also the carbon footprint of their operations. Now, uh, that is, I think, where we as Axobel can play a role, not just providing just the product, but also certain tools and services, right, to help our customers uh, make decisions uh, and achieve their own sustainability targets. So at a company level, what are some of those targets moving forward? We're almost to 2024. I know in terms of this transition, Axo Nobel's got its science-based targets for 2030. What are you hoping to do as far as the timeline, the timetable moving forward? What are some realistic goals at a company level and perhaps at an industry level as well that we can achieve over the next few years? Yeah, um, that is a... Um uh indeed a topic here uh, how far ahead can you uh, can you look into the future and what, what do we expect that will happen um we have of course a visibility on uh let's say the next uh, uh three to five years yeah we we can mm -hmm. we know what's in our innovation pipeline we know what kind of uh, adaptability there is in the market um looking all the way uh up to 2030 or even further is a bit of a black box yeah uh, we know what, uh, what 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 we can do in the coming years but uh, there will be a piece of innovation which will happen uh, in uh, in the latter part, in that second half, uh, or that second half of the decade, uh, up towards uh, 2030, and that is where uh, our projections for, for instance, on carbon footprint reduction in our value chain, we see that more like a um, kind of a hockey stick uh, movement. So where we believe that uh, a big part of the carbon footprint reduction itself will come in the second half of this decade. And so we're discussing, uh, of course. With our uh, suppliers, we're we're having lots of programs uh, trying to uh, help them reduce carbon footprint, but also for them to reach out to their suppliers. Uh, actually, a part of our uh, upstream carbon footprint sits not just with our suppliers, but actually also with the suppliers of our suppliers. So we need to to help our suppliers to do the same thing as what we are doing. Mm -hmm. um, and on the customer side, yeah, uh, that is again also an area where, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, investments need to be made. Um, uh, technology switches need to be made. Uh, for for some of those technology changes, we have short to middle term solutions, which we know will work. Uh, but for some of them, we need some some more uh, important changes in, uh, for instance, application and curing processes of customers, uh, and that will take time. So um, yeah, if you ask me, what do you think uh, will happen and what are realistic goals? We've set a goal of 50% by 2030. Now that is a very ambitious goal. Um, we probably uh, can achieve at least half of that, or I say probably because again, that is a, a black box. But what we also know is that we can't do this by ourselves. We really rely, of course, and on our suppliers and on our customers to make this happen. Uh, and that is where we have to put in a lot of effort, but that has also been where a bit of the uh, uncertainty is. Yeah, if uh, if tomorrow there are external variables, which make maybe again, um, interest rates go even further higher, 
which will reduce maybe uh, certain investments that uh, companies can make right in their production processes um, as an example then maybe yeah, we will not achieve those targets uh, so far so yes there is a, a certain variability there uh, but having said that uh, if you have a light on the horizon and uh, you can work uh, towards to uh, that is what we try to do and that is where we try of course to 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 collaborate with our suppliers and our customers to to start a journey and at least to to, to go mm -hmm. in the right direction. So beyond what you do with Axo Nobel, you're also a strategic global advisory member with the World Green Building Council, correct? Yes. So discuss and show a little bit of light on why it's important to look at this push, not just in terms of what an executive such as yourself can do at a company level, but also to work with other organizations and with other companies in the industry, which I know is a big part of what coming together for Green Build this week in Washington, D.C. is about. Just walk us through the process of not just what you all work on as a company, but the importance of working collaboratively with other companies and other organizations in the industry so that everyone is pushing in the same direction. Yeah, yeah, that is, that is of course, very important. Um... Uh, uh, whether that's us, Axonobel, or, or some of our peers, or other players in the industry, in the build environment, we can only uh, do our own thing. Um, uh, and we cannot, let's say, uh, see across the borders of our own uh, company. Uh, so in our value chain, we, we know there are maybe uh, uh, specific targets that, uh, that, that other companies in the value chain have, uh, other stakeholders. And, and what does a World Green Building Council do? Well, they, of course, try to oversee that whole value chain making sure that everyone goes in the same direction. Now, the World Green Building Council is actually a global organization. They uh, give advice and direction, of course, and support to the uh, more than 70, 75 uh, local green building councils in the world, like the US uh, Green Building Council itself, of course. They try to exchange information, mm -hmm. uh, best practices uh, between those, uh, those councils to really make sure that in yeah, most of these countries, right, we can make significant steps in making the build environment uh, greener or more sustainable. What we can do is Axabel, we are a global company. We are active in uh, many different uh, market segments and particularly in almost all building materials that need a, a protection, a coating layer as such. So that is where we can, of course, uh, bring advice to the uh, World Green Building Council. But you can also see this uh, World Green Building Council as a sharing platform, right, where we can uh, understand what are the, the, the insights, the latest insights, the latest developments mm -hmm. on our planet regarding the build environment and how can we help uh, particularly the local players uh, steer uh, what, what's happening in those local markets in the right direction. Uh, the build environment is very fragmented and local market, um, if you think about it. Huh? There are a lot of local players, even in, in the US, uh, you have the, the, the federal government, but you have also right the, the states who, uh, who have their own uh, maybe policies. Um, the build environment is, a uh, in the end, a local market, very fragmented, and it's really up to organizations like the World Green Building Council uh, to, to bring that together, to try and find a, a harmonized way moving forward, and also, again, have putting that, that dot on the horizon on where we want to go. So two-part question as we wind down. First off, is there any message you want to convey that you have not already as far as Axo Nobel's push, as far as things that are being discussed in Green Build, the mission that we're trying to push forward as it pertains to sustainability? And then the second part of that, for any viewer or listener that wants more information, what's the best way that they can learn more about this? I'm guessing it's as simple as just going to a website, but just use this platform to, I guess, put any last words out there, and then secondly, uh, direct our listeners where they might can learn more. Yeah, 
of course, uh, there's a, uh, a possibility right to get in either in contact with Axel Bell. We, we have our website. We have a particular website on, on green buildings, uh, particularly. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can also reach out to your local uh, Green Building Council. Uh, they have lots of uh, knowledge, best practices, insight, uh, networking opportunities, right? Uh, events uh, where you yep. can learn more. But maybe a, a key closing message, right, for the people who are listening uh, to, to this, um, to this uh, uh, broadcast is also think about uh, how can you make the build environment more sustainable. And, and what I see uh, both in, in, in my own company, but also outside is when you talk about sustainability and, and making also the build environment more sustainable, you'll be surprised how many people actually want to ha make that happen. And um, I've seen a lot of uh, industry players uh, in, in the past few years saying, um, not for tomorrow, not for me. Uh, my customer is not asking for it, et cetera. But actually, a lot of things are, are happening. Actually, the, the need for more sustainable uh, buildings, but also in other markets, is actually exponentially growing. Mm. And uh, I would like to really pass that message on to everyone who's listening to, to this um, uh, just go and talk about sustainability yeah, to your uh, stakeholders, to your customers in particular, right? Because that's where demand will come from, sure. but also probably other stakeholders you work with and uh, and try and develop it more. And if you need, of course, support on uh, sustainability, green buildings, then there's a few places where you can reach out to to uh, to learn more about that. That's great perspective from Job Koonin, Sustainability Program Manager at Axo Nobel. Job, thanks so much for the time. Thank you, Ben. All right, and this is where we will wrap things for today. For John Coonan, I'm Ben Dubose. If you want more information from us at Codings Pro, you can go to codingspromag.com or from AMP, the Association for Materials Protection and Performance. You can simply go to amp.org, amp.org. With those plugs complete, we'll adjourn. Thanks as always for listening, and please come back soon for another new episode.